0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com this time this time on vet story
1: doing anything in the range Regiment environment is a lot more difficult than the NFL if you're the best quarterback in the NFL i mean I mean, short of, you know, a few crimes and felonies, you will always have a job. The platoon that I served with, first uh, platoon off company, 287, uh, was, was, you know, the, the experience that, that I think I dream of always having. Joining a group of men from all different, you know, areas of the United States uh, with completely different backgrounds, uh, different beliefs, different religions, different languages, you know, wearing the same flag. Uh, fighting for each other I have a tough time seeing the, you know, how kneeling for the national anthem helps. But I've been with Pittsburgh for five years. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's a lot easier to have that sense of camaraderie, that sense of team. The reason why I went to Afghanistan is because there was an American out there fighting and I didn't want that person to fight alone.
0: Welcome to another episode of Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs, and it's the football edition of Vet Story. And I'm here with my colleague, Matt Saintsing. Hello. How you doing, man? I'm very well. How about yourself? I'm good. I am good. And what's, you know, the irony here of us doing a sports segment is like... I'm an impassioned sports fan, sure. you know? I mean, I Redskins and freaking, you know, Nationals. I mean, I, I've loved teams and attended sports, played sports. I was the dumb jock in high school. Yeah. <laughs> and here, too. Right? <laughs> and then you're my academic
1: friend.
2: Yeah,
0: right. You know, Basically. glasses, beard, thoughtful introspection. Master's degree. <laughs> studied globally. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, of course, we get doing some interviews in support of this season. And, uh... You came across a fellow Army brother that I thought was just one of the coolest interviews. And I was really glad that you did the interview because you yielded things from an interview that I never would have asked another jock. Oh, cool. Because yeah. I would have stayed just strictly on the sports page. So yeah. first, tell me who you talked to, and then a couple things you learned from the interview.
2: So number 78 of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alejandro Villanueva, who actually is, of course, an offensive tackle. Don't ask me to define what that position is. I have a general idea. Right. A O-line, I think. Um, <laughs> but he's actually an Army Ranger, and he went to West Point, and then he went to the NFL. So when we talk about certain, you know, of course, the NFL season is upon us, and of course the kneeling controversy is upon us and he's one of he's one of the very few people that has straddled both of these worlds of hardcore combat fighting for your country right playing football and being exposed to everything all that all the baggage that entails yeah. you know so yeah, it was yeah. a super interesting interview you know i feel like someone who has very specific insight and a lot of people don't have both these insights
0: and i thought it was cool let's start with the low hanging fruit uh the kneeling controversy uh, when you asked him about it was he like kind of like come on man don't ask me that crap or was he or was he relatively open with you being you know a fellow army guy
2: no he was super open and like you know it wasn't the first question i asked him and you can read the full interview on ConnectingVets.com. um but he, i i didn't lead with it but i was like hey man i have to ask you this <coughs> right, as a reporter right. you know um and and he kind of gave me a really good answer he gave me something that i think was interesting he's like look he's like i, I don't he was being honest. He's like, I really don't want to I don't like talking about this because it's hard to boil everything down into a soundbite that is not fallible in every single context. Right. Which I can totally appreciate because, look, I know what it's like to have your words taken out of context. Sometimes I take people's words out of context and I decide to write about it. You know, I mean, not knowingly, <laughs> you know, it just happens in the industry. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he kind of cushioned his comments on that. Okay. But then he went on to say, he's like, look, he's like, I believe in the system, I fought for the system, the system sent me to fight, and now I come back and I have no choice, I have no choice but to, pro- but to protect the system. And in his mind, the system protects people kneeling and what these peaceful protests, right? Even though he himself isn't someone that wants to do that. And he says he would never do that. But mm-hmm. he appreciates why people would do it and he supports their right to do so.
0: Yeah." Well, I can appreciate you doing the interview, and I thank you very much as we kick off the NFL season for uh, bringing us this interview with Pittsburgh Steeler, offensive lineman, and pro bowler Alejandro Villanueva. Go
2: team. Go team. I know you served three tours in Afghanistan with the 10th Mountain Division. Uh, You're an Army Ranger by way of West Point. But what was really interesting to me is that you have a rather unorthodox pathway to the NFL. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about the thought process of basically choosing the army over the NFL.
1: Well, uh, I guess that's a really interesting topic uh, because there's a lot of things that go into the the decision, which is not really a decision. It's, It's more of a mandate. So I joined Westport in 2006. I wanted to serve. Serving was my priority. Serving was my priority even, you know, the day that I got out of the military it's just a matter of, you know, the one Afghanistan going down black movement, excess of officers, my year group. And it just made more sense to get out. But, um, the service academies, uh, represent 20% of officers, you know, in the, in the, in the military right now for all three branches, I believe, at least for the army. And you know, as as you probably know, there's other ways of achieving, uh, that commission, uh, one of them is RTC or OCS or, or two of them, uh, uh, I must say. So the Academy is sometimes viewed as an excessive spending, uh, for the government because, you know, you can just send them to RTC. The university takes care of that bill in whatever way, and you don't have to allocate so much money uh, to the academies. So the question, you know, of should a cadet who has had their education paid for by taxpayers, um, be allowed to go and pursue, you know, the NFL and, 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 and potentially make millions of dollars. So the policy of, of the academy when I graduated was that you needed to serve at least two years okay. to go play in the NFL. Um, the benefits of the academy, you know, in having a successful football team is that they bring in a lot more money uh, to, 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 the university. So they, uh, or to the Academy in this case. So if, if you, uh, you know, all the funding to the Academy is fixed, you know, it has to be approved by Congress. It's a very tough challenge again, because they're always going to compare it to the other ROTC programs. But if the, but if the Academy is able to bring in a lot of revenue through the football team, uh, then the students can have a better experience, better training, et cetera, et cetera. So the football team has always been a priority of all the academies because it brings in a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Having players that can go to the NFL improves the quality of recruiting, improves the quality of play, and therefore you can have games that are in prime time, you know, that's free advertising for people that can, you know, watch the the, the game and learn about the academy and also receive uh, more funding through, you know, games, Army, Navy, etc. So two thousand and ten when I graduated I was not allowed to go into the NFL. I wasn't I go and participate at a uh, rookie mini camp with the Cincinnati Bengals. They did not know that I, that I was that I was not allowed to uh, to play in the NFL and so I just simply informed them after the rookie mini camp that I went back to West Point. It was just a weekend that I was there and then I served my time in the military. How does
2: being a professional athlete compare to being a ranger? And I'm kind of curious, like, are there skills you've learned either in IOBC or ranger school or even while deployment or, you know, air assault school or, or what have you, airborne school that, that kind of gives you an edge playing the game?
1: Uh, no, I mean, so I, I think that very, very basic things, right? So, for example, you don't mind being in a building that you've never been to before in, in process or have to be interviewed by strangers that you've never met you don't mind uh, going away and spending a lot of time away from you know your family or loved ones that doesn't cause you any stress yeah you can adapt to new environments to new people uh you have no issues making friends because you always have a new roommate in the military yeah. or you always have a new group of people so those things give you that comfort level uh now then how do you play the, 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 the sport of football in the NFL? They have a lot of things that have to do with genetics. You know, you know we cannot lie to ourselves. Right. You, have to be re- you, know, you have to be really big to play in the NFL, and you have to have certain athletic abilities that, that will allow you to, to be successful in the long term. Um, and then, uh, you know, in terms of leadership, in terms of uh, other personal uh, sort of, I mean, you can have that are going to benefit you in the NFL, you know, at the end of the day, the, you know, the NFL boils down to performance on the field. So it is a 100%, uh, it, it is it is a, a, an industry based on performance alone. Whereas in the military, performance is very tough to measure Yeah, there are so many variables that go into the outcome of an officer, the decisions, you know, they're extremely complicated. I mean, if you're a patrol leader in Afghanistan, 10th Mountain for you to be successful, you must be able to overcome, you know, maybe potentially strategic failures of general officers that, that are questioning what, you know, why you're even in Afghanistan in the first place. And what is what you're trying to accomplish? I mean, that is extremely difficult to do in Afghanistan. I mean, I don't think for that matter that anybody's ever been successful in the military because we're still in Afghanistan there's still war going on and the Taliban have more land than they had, you know, you know, when we, uh, when we were there. Yeah. So, so it becomes very, it becomes very difficult to measure success, uh, and so what you measure is you measure values, you measure uh, a character, you measure uh, uh, you know the way that you interact with others, and so based on that you create you know sort of this holistic approach to, to, to a person and whether they're reliable in combat, whether they're going to do the right thing, and whether they're confident enough to, to handle more responsibility, and so that's a more complex and more difficult uh, you know, way of, of, of measuring people. So becoming an officer in Ranger Regiment, uh, becoming a uh, squad leader in Ranger Regiment, doing anything in the Ranger Regiment environment is a lot more difficult than the NFL because the only thing that they're measuring in football is how many yards you get per game on Sundays, whereas you know, as an officer or as anything, as, as, as a soldier of 1st Regiment Battalion, for example, You'd be measured on absolutely everything that goes into your character. Everything that comes out of your mouth is being judged, is being evaluated.
2: Yeah, that's it's super interesting. And uh, I was trying to think of parallels earlier today uh, between you know the army and professional sports. And you know I, I've never played for sports professionally, and I think very few people have. But one thing I was trying to kind of figure out is <clears throat> you know the army, from my experience at least, it was very much a. I mean, I was an enlisted guy, so it was a top down. Uh, organization is very hierarchical. You know, I mean, I listen to my squad leader, my team leader. When I became a squad leader, you know, I listen to my platoon leader. And, I mean, there seems there's that in the NFL where you have a coach, general manager, and, you know, you, you take your – your commands from the tower so to speak but the thing is different is there's a lot of big personalities uh, a lot of people playing at the top of their game uh, respective games and frankly there's just a lot of money going around f- floating around that's just not in the, the the American military and i just think navigating we're, we're navigating those waters was there a bit of an adjustment no you just
1: realized the way the game works i mean just like everything else just the, just the same way as you when you get out of the military you realize how the economy works, you realize how society works, how corporate America works, you realize how everything works. And everything outside of the military works with money. Right. And so money's the only thing that rules everything in the NFL. You can be if you're if you're if you're the best quarterback in the NFL, I mean, sort of I mean short of, you know, a few crimes and felonies, you will always have a job and a lot of money and a lot of attention because the demand for a great quarterback is so high. Uh, that, you know, it, it it could almost overcome everything. Yeah. Uh, pe- people are willing to, uh, you know, p- people willing to do anything for, for a great quarterback, for example, or a great player. So it, it does, it becomes less of a team sport and becomes more of individuals trying to establish and, uh, create a business environment around them that allows us to gain money.
2: Ah, I gotcha, I gotcha. And, I mean, I saw a sports, I, think, I believe it was a Sports Center video, where you were talking about the true meaning of Memorial Day. And you mentioned, uh, I, think, I think he was a soldier, Jesse Dietrich, who was killed in combat. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Jesse, who the kind of guy he was, and some of the other people that you served with?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, this, it, everything that I remember about the military, everything that I've done in the military was always about other people. I learned so much. I was influenced by so many people. Uh, that everything you know became about the brief moments and how they shaped my life. Uh, in the case of you know, my platoon, when I was in—I well, I wouldn't say my platoon. I hate to call it my platoon right. a little bit, you know, like possessive. But the platoon that I served with, first uh, platoon, off Company, Two Eight Seven, uh, was was you know the, the experience that, that I think I dream of always having. You know, of, of joining a group of men from all different you know areas of the United States. Uh, with completely different backgrounds, uh, different beliefs, different religions, different languages, and uh, and they're just all you know wearing the same flag, under the same unit, uh, fighting for each other. And so it was uh, it was a very very humbling experience. And, uh, and in, in in that year, I got the, the the opportunity to meet Jesse Dietrich, who was uh, a soldier from Fort Worth, Texas. So he belonged to uh you know the, the 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 group of soldiers who who were you know in love with the outdoors who were very very brave and and, and, they, and they knew that the expectation of serving the military was something that brings a lot of pride to their families and so because of that you know that you never had an issue uh of motivating those type of soldiers in combat and so that was extremely humbling you know for me to have the opportunity to serve with someone
2: like Jesse. Yeah, um, I mean, I have a similar experience, too, you know, it's, it, and you are very right, it is those fleeting moments uh, that, that have to do with people that, that I truly do miss, you know, and there's a lot of things about the Army I don't miss, but, you know, damn it, I do miss, like, the camaraderie and, and, and the people. Is there a, still a shared sense of camaraderie? I mean, you're, a, you're you're one of a team.
1: I personally do. I don't know if everybody else does in my team, and maybe you get. I mean, maybe you could do get that feeling. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> You know when you when you when you've played for a lot of years for different teams and, and maybe you know that your career uh, is one is you have a one year contract so you know you're probably not going to stay in the team for what for more than one year uh, maybe you don't look at the team the same but I've been with Pittsburgh for five years yeah uh, I know every, I know everybody in the building and uh, and I play offensive line so for me it's a lot easier to have that sense of camaraderie that sense of team because I see the same you know. 12 people every single day we struggle together we go through the same um you know practices the same challenges and so for me it's very easy and i just have that feeling
2: and i, I got to ask you about the NFL kneeling policy and your thoughts behind it. And I, I think I've read elsewhere that that you don't think of the protests as, as disrespectful. But does it take on a special meaning given that you're probably the only combat veteran in a locker room? Do, do other players come up to you and ask you your opinion of this? Or is, is it something that's not even said?
1: Well, I'm usually very reluctant to talk about the national anthem policy because it, it is, it's not a simple... I hate to boil down things to one sentence or right. two sentences. It's very difficult to boil mm. it down to, you know, to to, to 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 right now for me to sit down and really think of sentences that could be quoted in an article that are infallible and 100% need absolutely no context. Very difficult to do with the national anthem. Uh, it doesn't bother me that other NFL players exercise their right um you know, of, of freedom of speech because conceptually it is something that is in the constitution It is something that, uh, you know, we fight for. It is a system in America that is based on liberties and based on freedoms. So that, that part of it, you know, does not bother me because I have no other choice. You know, I've also been to military funerals where the Westboro Baptist church has yeah. flags tied around their feet. And obviously it's not something <laughs> that is pleasant to see. It's not something that you want to, uh, experience, uh, because it's painful, but they're celebrating the death of a soldier, of a classmate, of some or a friend. Um, but somehow, you know, without me having to become a Supreme justice lawyer, I know that is defended by the legislators of our country. So I believe in the system. I fought for the system. The system sent me to fight. I fought for the system. Therefore, you know, it is something that I know is protected. I don't think, you know, that NFL players that are kneeling are trying to deliberately um, send a message to veterans. Uh, The problem is that it's obviously very tough for veterans to um, to understand why somebody would kneel during the National Anthem. I personally represent and I only cater and care about the veteran community that watches the NFL and doesn't watch the NFL. So I'm always going to say things that are going to be in favor uh, of their views because I share the same views. I grew up in a military town with a naval station, and I spent, you know, my adult years in the military at West Point, and every single person that I know either works for the government or is in the military. So me personally, you know, I I, I don't like to see people kneeling down, uh, you know, for the the national anthem. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get on the media and I'm going to, you know, start... Lobbying or fighting against, you know, players because it is a much bigger fight. And I believe personally, if this is just from maybe the education that I received at West Point, that this is something that the military has nothing to do with. Let the civilian people deal with their issues. The military is always going to be there to serve the civilians and the civilian population of the United States. It's not the other way around. The military is not in power in the country. It is the civilian people. Uh, I have a tough time seeing the, you know how kneeling for the national anthem helps any other causes, but it's not my uh, I don't think it's my uh, I, don't, I, I don't think judge I don't, I don't have to right I just don't have the knowledge or the, the capacity of judging you know how someone else feels. So I let them, I let them you know do what does have to say if they do ask me which they do, I try to give my version of the story. But convincing somebody of thinking otherwise is, is very difficult they obviously don't have the same education that i do but i have the same experiences that i have the same background that i have the same um motivations and so uh, you know the, the national anthem is just one of those controversies one of those dilemmas that is tearing the nation apart and it's much better not to be part of it and just care about the people that do care about the national anthem care about the people that are fought by the flag and then hope that the people that a neon, you know, will come around for, for sure.
2: You served in Afghanistan, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said, like, you said something like, that "Since the Taliban controls more territory now than they did when you were there, it was kind of like, what did we fight for?" Do you struggle with with some of the things that you you've done and what we're doing around the world today?
1: I think I, I think I have, maybe. Yeah, you know, I, I would be lying to you if I told you that I have never questioned it. That I have never. Uh, thought about it, that I've never tried to put the pieces together in in many ways, but I've always been filled with pride, uh, you know, by the fact that the reason why Americans are dying, the reason why I went to Afghanistan is because there was an American out there fighting, and I didn't want that person to fight alone. And the reason why Americans are fighting right now is because there's always American fighting, and. You know, we don't want Americans to die alone. And so that's the reason why I serve. I know that's the reason why a lot of my classmates served. I know for a fact that that's the reason why 1st 100 Battalion is dying uh, to always and continue uh, to uphold, you know, the, 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 the standards of, of being the elite warriors. Uh, the question of what are we doing in Afghanistan and, and those greater policies is not up to the people in the military. Right? Uh, it's, not, it's not up to the people that I served with. Uh, certainly I never met, I never talked to a, a, a general or, yeah. or, 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 or a president about the policies uh, that are, that are, you know, dictating, you know, what it is that we do. And so I find the comfort in the fact that, um, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm very proud of having met so many, so many heroes and so many brave men, uh, and women that have, that have sacrificed so much. And so I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of philosophical questions that you can ask, yeah. about the true meaning of, of of the true value of war or what is it that, that the military conflict uh, solves. And, um, um, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to have a lot more answers than I do. I'm sure a lot of people know a lot more than I do about the reasons why we're there. And so I try not, to, try not to focus so much on the things that I don't know and focus more on the fact that, um, you know, at the end of the day, people are fighting for, for the men and women to the left and right. And, uh, and maybe not so much about the ideologies and, and uh, the big picture stuff that, that we hear so much you know, when we're from combat.
0: Well, that does it for this episode. I'm Phil Briggs, and for Vet Story, we'll talk to you again next week. And in the meantime, even if you're not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, we'll be cheering for veterans everywhere and Alejandro Villanueva On the football field. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.